In this very room There's quite enough love For all the world And in this very room There's quite enough joy For all the world And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear for spirit one spirit is in this very you to take a moment as Christine, our meditation facilitator this morning, invited us to bring that awareness and that focus down into our hearts. And imagine in your mind's eye the heart breathing, expanding. That's a different energetic when we settle into our hearts. And then with the next breath, settling down into that core, that intuitive knowing, that third amazing center of intelligence and wisdom, about two inches below the belly button, that intuitive core, that intuitive center. And breathing once again, grounding ourselves, imagining in your mind's eye, grounding yourself down into this beautiful earth. Imagine threads of gold or silver extending down through your, from the bottoms of your feet grounding you into this earth. And in this space of groundedness, bringing our energy fully in, creates a beautiful environment of availability for the presence and power of that which I'm up to address in a moment. That there is a power for good. There's a power of divine intelligence. It is a principle. It is an energetic. It is a vibration. It is everywhere present. Everywhere in general, but nowhere in particular until we give it direction and invitation. So my invitation, I invite you to join with me, is that that life, that presence, that, that, that male and female, the totality of life that we are immersed in, I recognize and I unify with in this moment on behalf of each person here, those that are still traveling to join us, those that are home that decided not to make the trip today but are with us energetically, those people that join us on the podcast for months and years to come, we affirm and know because it is non-local and it is at the quantum level where time does not exist. This prayer is eternal and powerful and wonderful and so I make myself available in that recognition to the divine impulse of, the, of divine intuition and creation. And so as I listen deeply and I give back from that listening, I know that my life is altered, changed, and transformed in beautiful and amazing ways, that something is happening within you and I in this moment that is powerful and deep simply because we have opened ourselves up to say yes to that activity, that Spirit's presence is here fully to the capacity and to, at the level of our subjective nature to embody this idea. And today is complete and good in every good way. It is a day that the law and the love hath made, and I rejoice in it with you. For music, 
for the ability, even on days like today, to make the journey to be here in person, to have the opportunity to watch life continue to transform and transcend and be made new again, the greater yet to be. I give thanks with you and in such great gratitude I stand with you in knowing that this prayer continues to work for us, not just in this moment, but each moment hereafter, expanding in an ever greater good on our behalf as we stand in co-creation with spirit. For this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is. I'm not even going to talk about snow today, so... But it's amazing how abundant it is. <laughs> if you doubt nature's abundance, there it is. Yeah, I was wrong on this one. But I'm over it now. See, I just lean back like Michael Singer says, and I let the storm go by. And it's not really a storm. We could be in Halifax, huh? Yeah. So our prayers go out to them, as well as great joy that we are not with them. All right. So we are using Michael Singer's book. I guess I misled you. I said I wasn't going to talk about the weather, and then I talked about the weather for three minutes. So, uh, Going beyond, and this is, a, this is such a wonderful, you know, we, we are such, so blessed. I feel so blessed to have this amazing information and consciousness that continues to emerge on the planet and gives us a, a foothold of, to, to understand a bit more of the mystery of life and the evolution of consciousness uh, and to be part of a movement that is just so uh, fresh and, uh, and th that greater yet to be, be given birth to. And so I'm going to have to look back because I don't know where my notes went for the first few slides, so bear with me. But on, um, one of the stories that Michael uses in this book is the, the analogy of having a thorn. And it's a wonderful, wonderful analogy about... So the, the imagined uh, uh, situation is that we, can, that we have a thorn that's very deep and it's touching a nerve and it consistently touches the nerve and it's very painful. And so we have two options. One is that we protect it as that young that statue of that young boy pulling the thorn out of his... Uh, that bronze of the young man pulling the thorn out of his foot. So we can, we can desi design a strategy so that no one ever touches it. And then we just live with it, and that becomes part of the, our daily activity. Or we can take it out. But it's a core structural problem, as Michael Singer says. And if the decision is to not let anything touch it, then it becomes a lifetime endeavor. It becomes our activity. Would, it, would you not say that that's pretty much uh, in your awareness all the time? So all of a sudden, we decide we're going to leave this thorn because that's just the way it is, and it's touching the nerve. And, but it becomes a problem if we want to go for a walk in the woods, perhaps, because we have to protect it. And if a branch uh, touches it or we, we move in a certain way, all of a sudden, it's very painful. Or, or, or how do we sleep at night? How do we find sleep and, and not be uh, awakened by the, uh, the pain? And he suggests that if that's the case, then what we'll do is we, we will build a protective device around ourselves to keep that thorn from being uh, noticeable and painful. And he says, this all works great until all of a sudden one day we fall in love with somebody. Oh, man. Now what are we going to do? Because there could be some touching going on. And so what we, he said what we can then do is build a very complex device that will that have pulleys and wheels and all kinds of a contraption that we'll get ourselves into that would, would just make us, allow us to be in that relationship and not have any hurt. So we protect, we've built this very complex environment to not have this problem. And what happens once again is that the thorn runs through our entire life. It affects every aspect because we're now we're in this contraption to protect ourselves from feeling the pain of the thorn. So we really didn't solve anything 
because we're still thinking about the problem all the time. It's, it's occupying a lot of rent space in our awareness. And then he talks about the psyche. And there's a, the other half of this slide is, of course, a, a, a mind that, uh, the psyche is the thorn is the, is, that is touching the heart. And so he says, perhaps the challenge for us is loneliness. And loneliness then becomes our focus. And we will come up with strategies, but loneliness will run the entire life uh, if the root of loneliness, like the thorn, is not removed. So as, as human beings, we, allow, we can allow our inner fear to affect our, 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 our outer fear to affect our, our inner behavior and our outer behavior. And he suggested simply notice who's noticing, that we are the subject observing something, which is the object. And he says feelings are just the nature of being. So he, he suggests to, for us to be an explorer with this, with our lives, and to let it go. Big theme of his practices are letting it go. When the idea flares up for us and we start to run with it, to lean back from it, and breathe, relax, relax our shoulders, relax our heart, and let it go by. And it's easier to do that at the beginning than all of a sudden once it's captured our awareness and our intention and becomes the focus. There are people in this room that make a living working with people who have gotten fixated on that object and then spend years and years and years learning how to lean back and breathe and realize because, as he says over and over again, is that it's not who we are. It's what the experience is. So it's very Zen. It's very Eastern in its approach. But he said as we let go and we move back from it energetically and, and, and psychically, uh, there's a release that goes on. And we can then start to sit more and more in, the, as he would call, the seat of the self. And that energy, I know many of you are very kinesthetic, do a lot of energy work, that energy comes up from behind. It's a flow of energy that the, in the Eastern tradition they call Shakti, and we would call it spirit. But what, what is, um, is the other one coming up, Kev? Oh, it's up in the corner. We missed it. Something happened with it. I had a picture of a brain with everybody. Well, you'll see it later. I, I used it a few times. I hope you see it later. But if you don't, you'll have to come back next week. And it's supposed to be a really good day next week, I'm told, so it's good. So... This idea of, the, of, of awareness. Awareness is really powerful because awareness does not fight. When we're in awareness, it doesn't have a, there's no battle in awareness. We're just aware. We're witnessing. Awareness doesn't fight. Awareness has a capacity to release, to discern and say, well, I'm going to hang on to this or I'm going I'm to nurture this or I have this thorn or I'm going to remove the thorn. I have this, I have this challenge with loneliness. I'm going to do, do my own exploration, examination and look at the, the root cause of my challenges with loneliness. Awareness is simply aware while everything parades in front of it, and that's that, that, that state of being. So the Buddha said, life is suffering. And, that, and so people with, and, and a lot of people, especially in our movement, don't agree with that. They'll say, well, my life's not suffering. But most, most people that I know have never stopped suffering. That suffering is so much a part of life that we don't even know what not suffering feels like. That sense of well-being and that sense of being in the awareness and watching things parade before us. That's, that's serious, serious, deep work. But most people that I know, and, and for most of my life, I suffered. And then I had the conflict strategies. And conflict strategy doesn't mean that you're always in battle with people. It just simply means that we all have a survival mechanism. So many people's conflict strategy is protect themselves, withdraw or to control, or to avoid. Oh, I don't do conflict. I just go home. That's a strategy. 
It's a conflict strategy. And our strategies are there to help us stop suffering. So we, we want to control our environment and what's, who's around us, what's around us, you know, and, and, and the sort of things that we expose ourselves to. So anything that triggers suffering, I don't want any of it in my life. Or, or we want to just simply avoid it at all costs, which is another part of the controlling not just the environment, but also our thinking and way of being. Or we'll anticipate suffering. We know we've had this situation many times and suffering's always involved. That's like going over to the, you know, maybe you're going over to a relative's home that every time you get together for Christmas dinner, there's some suffering. So you just anticipate it. And then and our minds go to work on that. And there's constant, with it, I don't know about your experience, but there's constant anxiety and inner dialogue going on. Am I, are you with me on that or am I alone on that? Because that's been my experience. And so that what happens also when we're in this protective mode, our thorn or our loneliness, whatever, the, whatever that, that strikes the nerve, just about anything can set us off. And there's this inner sensitivity, this fear, there's self-conscious, jealousy, insecurity. All those things get, start playing, playing into it. And then what we do is we come up with a list of things that we need that we give as an assignment to our psyche. We will say things like this. We'll say everyone, so here's one of the deals. This is one of the things that, core beliefs that I have in order to deal with my suffering is that, number one, everyone must like me. So everybody, if some, everybody doesn't like me, there's a problem. Or everything that happens means that I like it. So nothing can happen that I don't like. Anybody ever had that uh, experience? got to happen. You know, I got up this morning. I didn't like it. It was snowing. And so I thought, wow, I'm doing this thing. And then I could take this really personally, that God truly is a man punishing me arbitrarily and capriciously with snow. If I could, and, and that's a very small mindset, but there are people that could, can spin into this sadness. Oh. You know, I was out there this morning with Dan Horrigan. I come up, Dan's got the snowblower out. He's snow everywhere. I said, isn't this great? I said, yeah, it is. You're here early doing this for me. Awesome. Love you. You're the man. I told him I would have rolled my window down to say you're the man at you, but my window was frozen shut. So I had to open the door and say it. I love going to Second Cup, going through the drive-thru, and I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I drive a beautiful vintage vehicle. And for about six months of the year, the windows do not work. And so it's one of the unique, uh, it's one of the things that Ford Motor Company built into the vehicle, and I really appreciate that because... Everywhere I go, I get to open the door up, and then stuff usually falls out, and it's just, it's wonderful stuff, because then I get exercise, and the, the lats, and you know, it's just a beautiful, beautiful way to roll, as far as I'm concerned. It's probably going to keep me alive forever, and I know all the tricks, you know, beat on them, and scrape them, and everything, and sometimes they still stay stuck. No one, or no one can speak badly about me. There's another one to live our lives by. Isn't that great? That they're... Did they say any? Were you there? Did they say anything about me? Yes, they did. What did they say? Was it good? Or everything I say and do must please others. So everything that would, you know, you're unhappy. What did I say? What did I do? There's another one. Doesn't that create a sense of peace and ease in your life? Nothing happens that I don't like. So I'm in charge of the universe, and nothing is ever going to happen again that I don't that I disagree with, or I don't want anyone to hurt me. So those are some very popular ideas that Michael writes about in this book. And so what happens? We have this list. Everyone must like me. Everything that happens, I must like. No one can speak badly about me. Everything I say and do must please others. And nothing happens that I don't like. And I don't want anyone to hurt me. And our mind says, okay, I'll get right on it. Not only does our mind say, I'll get right on it. Our mind says, and I will stay on it constantly, consistently, and excessively. This is what the mind does. 
There's the mind right there with the guy looking in there to see if anything's going on. I'll get right on it. I'll stay on it constantly, incessantly, and forever. Have you ever watched your mind constantly telling you what to do? Yeah. Yeah. So how do we get this to stop? Thought tends to focus on what is bothering us today, and then the mind tells us to fix on the outside, to fix the problem, like the thorn device. So rather than remove the root of the problem, this loneliness issue, or the thorn, we build a device to protect ourselves. And those six uh, choices that I just shared with you are part of that device for us emotionally and spiritually. But if you're wise, eventually, and I think this room is full of wise people. I'm preaching to the, I'm preaching to the, to, you, to the congregation on this one. But if, you, or I'd be, if I was speaking this way, I'd be speaking to, preaching to the choir. But over here, I'm just preaching to the congregation. Because <laughs> I know where the choir is. They sit over there. But if you're wise, you will understand that the, the advice your mind is giving you is psychologically damaged. It's psychologically damaged. Your mind's thoughts are disturbed by its fears. And this is the, the advice that you do not want to listen to, and yet we listen to it constantly. We must identify the root problem. And that's the good news. And I, I know so many people here are, are awake and aware. So, so let's use a, a relationship as an example. I got this great slide of these two people right there. Don't they look happy? So let's use this as an example of how this works. So your, your challenge is loneliness, right? And you decide to solve the loneliness problem. All right, let's solve the loneliness problem. Anybody ever had the loneliness problem? Yeah. So the, you decide the way to solve the problem is to find someone to love and adore you. Good idea? Yeah. I mean, what's wrong with that? Yeah, love and adore us, yeah, awesome. But if you haven't solved the problem, you simply involve someone else in your problem. That's the bummer, right? If you're carrying that loneliness consciousness with you, you bring it to the relationship. And for a while, as Scott Peck says, you know, it's the cathecting part. Sing, uh, Freud would never work with people that were freshly in love because he said, they're out of their minds right now. I have to wait till all this passes. <laughs> but it masks it, right? It's a, it's a spiritual bypass because the relationship will have problems because your problem caused the relationship. Oh. Bummer. So, but it's wonderful awareness to realize that that's not the, that, so that's once again the device, the mechanism that's going to fix the relationship or it's going to fix the thorn or it's going to fix the loneliness. A successful psyche for all of us. And this is the natural state of be, our being. Ernest Holmes said our natural state of being, our founder, and, and I'm, he's near and dear to me, so our natural state of being is, is freedom. All is well. Life is good to thrive, that we are this individualized expression of the infinite. We have taken form for this, to have this amazing experience and to create and to bring mastery and awareness to our lives. And see, we're hardwired for this and everything, everything around us is, is if we're open to it and available to it and come into agreement with it, is there as a mechanism to, to awaken us. So it's, it's not a bad thing that we use relationship to try and fix this situation with loneliness. What's valuable to understand is that it's not going to take care of the loneliness because we will then eventually, if the loneliness is alive in us, it will manifest itself within the relationship. And chances are we'll be even more depressed because we thought this was the answer. Oh my gosh. Now I'm, I found the love of my life who loves and adores me and I'm having, still having loneliness. <sighs> What's wrong with the person I picked? 
So imagine what, success means never having to think about your psyche again. You should never have to figure out how it, is to, how it feels to be okay, how not to be scared, how to feel loved. You, are, you and I are capable of achieving that state and it's never too late. That's the great thing, we're not stuck. And sometimes it's just a shift, sometimes it's leaning back, having enough practices in our lives that create the spaciousness and the awareness so that we can live in a more vibrant experience. Imagine what life could be if you didn't have those neurotic personal thoughts going on inside of yourself, that you could enjoy things. You could get to know people instead of needing them. There's a novel idea. Who's going to fix me? Who's here to fix me now? What about we just got to know one another just because we like people? That we just showed up, we made an agreement, just the way I am, I'm okay. Yeah, I got areas I can improve on. I got, I got, I got some gaps. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I always tell people, you know, when people come up and give me some really helpful uh, perceptions and projections of theirs upon me, one of the great statements that I have found that is really liberating is to say, thank you so much for sharing. I am a work in progress, and I welcome all the affirmative prayers I can possibly get. Give them some homework for you. Oh, you mean I'm supposed to go home and pray for you? Yeah, that'd be a great idea. Because as long as you stand in front of me and keep pointing out my flaws, what do we do with that? See, we're never stuck. So thank you for sharing. I'm a work in progress. I'm on it. Thank you. Imagine what life would be if you didn't have those neurotic personal thoughts going on inside of yourself to enjoy things, getting to know people rather than needing them to fix us, experiencing our life instead of using our life to fix what's wrong inside of us. That's a really popular idea. I'll do this as soon as I get over this. As soon as I, I get a handle on this I, and, I, and, I, and I get a device in place that will protect me, I'll, I'll move back into whatever it may be. So we become addicted to our psyche. We've given this, our, our minds this amazing assignment, all these things that are supposed to do to manage the world, and our mind says, yeah, yeah, I'm on it, I'm on it, I'm on it. And I'm, in fact, I'm on it all the time. And it's, we are capable of ceasing to listen to the perpetual problems of our psyche. It is possible. It's possible. It takes practice. We are capable of repairing our psyches. You can wake up in the morning and look forward to the day and not, and not worry that what will happen. You can live a daily life. Your daily life could be like a vacation. I had a buddy that was in the Marine Corps. He did two tours in Vietnam. He used to say, our saying in the Marine Corps was, every day is a holiday and every meal is a banquet. Work can be fun. What if you decide work's going to be fun? Boy, that would mess some people up. What if you went in tomorrow morning and smiled at somebody you worked with? Wouldn't that scare the heck out of them? Work can be fun. Family can be fun. You can have fun doing your best. You can live life rather than fight it. Just like smoking. He used the analogy of smoking. Anybody here ever smoke, quit smoking? I've, I've quit several times. November 22nd, 1994, I quit for the last time. And I said, if I don't quit this time, I'm never quitting. Because I wasn't smoking them, they were smoking me. But one of the things I had to see, my, and my, my strategy was I'd buy, I had a pack, I always carried a pack with me, and I got an entire roll of duct tape, and I wrapped it. And so when I wanted to have a cigarette, I figured by the time I get this thing unrolled, I'm not going to want that cigarette anymore. It was perfect. I, was, I thought, I could, you know, I could, I could market this. I could, sell, I could be a millionaire. I could sell the little pamphlet and the roll of duct tape. Man. Never happened. But see how God works. The wonders of the, the genius of the universe work for me. Ah, it's not worth it. I'm not going to have a cigarette. Just don't pick it up. Just like the thought. 
So we have what has happened is so we, that we have to stop telling our mind that it's its job to fix our personal problems. Such a powerful practice. We have given our minds an impossible task, asking it to manipulate the world to fix our inner problems. To achieve a healthy state of, of being, stop asking your mind to do this. Relieve your mind of the job of making everyone and everything the way you need them to be because your mind simply is not qualified for that job. So what we need to do is we need to fire it, okay? You need to bring your mind in Monday morning and just simply fire it. Say, mind, thanks for all your good work and for being with me all this time. You are now officially fired. I'm relieving you of this responsibility. And we can now have a new relationship. I want to fire you from this position so that we can have a new relationship. When the mind starts, and then when the mind comes back and starts telling us what to do, just don't do it. Because the truth is, everything will be okay when you're okay with everything. Just the way it is. It doesn't mean we give up. It just means we make peace with what is. It doesn't mean that we don't have goals and longings and we want to create and do things. I'm really, I'm really so, uh, uh, I'm, I'm in eager anticipation to share with you our, at our AGM. I hope you can all be there, whether you're a member or not, on Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. It's just, it's just uh, exciting to be part of, of newness and possibility and talk about things and, and look where we've been and look where we're going and, and all of the, the beautiful things that are happening. But that's part of the beauty of life and it's a joy. And, and to understand and celebrate where we are today. You know, one of the great things about stewardship in our lives is to bless what we have because what we appreciate appreciates. It just does. We have this beautiful, beautiful old sanctuary that is just full of energy and life and all the prayers that have, you know, the Catholics warmed it, warmed it up for us. And then we gave them a high five, took the baton, and, and we started doing affirmative prayer. And I'm not saying it's better or worse, but there's a continuum of prayer and sacred practice here, meditation, beautiful music. We have to stop expecting the mind to fix what's wrong inside of us. Our mind is not get the guilty party. Our mind is innocent. Our mind is a computer. It's a tool. And whatever we give it to do, it will do. So he suggests, and I would agree with him, stand there and watch your thoughts. Create enough spaciousness to be able to stand there and watch your thoughts. Go, wow, look at that. Wow. Look how mad, look how angry I get when I think about so-and-so. Whoa. What's that all about? What is it about them that t- touches the nerve that within me? They didn't plant the button. They're just activating it. But to have that awareness and to breathe into it and to presence it, to lean back, to stand there, watch your mind and gently disengage. Wow, look at that. I don't think I'm going to grab onto that today. I'll come back to that later if I really need to. I came this morning and Daniel was out there with the snowblower. You know the pattern that he left as he removed the snow? I didn't like. It was the wrong pattern. He was doing that uh, back and forth uh, um, lines. I like to do the square box around and around and around, smaller and smaller. But I just had to disengage. It's always spiritual practice. I didn't even tell him till now, Daniel, I love you. But I mean, we can be that obsessive, you know. When we, Laura and I moved into a new place a year and a half ago, we had a neighbor that cut the lawn in a certain pattern. I was nervous to go out there and try and cut the grass. So I was just going to go back and forth. And this guy's got this diagonal thing going both ways. I'm like, what's the pattern? I need the map. <laughs> I don't want to offend anybody. There's a lot of pressure around that. I finally went over after about six months. I said, you know, I, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to be doing this. He says, oh, no, don't worry about that. He said, there's no pattern. I said, oh, okay, he was just doing it that way. But, you know, I made up a story about it. 
Your mind can be used to ponder great thoughts. Great thoughts. That's what the, the use of the mind is. But we're, we're so busy managing life that we don't free it up to, to ponder great thoughts. We can solve scientific problems. We can serve humanity when we access the mind. The mind is an amazing thing. So it's important to remove ourselves from the conversation, to be quiet. You know, like it says there, I'll be back in 10 minutes. It's okay to give the mind a break. You know, for 10 minutes, let's just slow her down. Let's relax. Let's take 10 minutes off right now. We can always go back and fix the world because the mind can't do it anyway. But it's so enticing. But we, and we've given it all these incredible, impossible expectations. Fall behind the mind, as they say. We are the consciousness behind the mind. We are the consciousness behind the thought. And to become more and more aware of our thoughts is so powerful because then we can choose. But for many people, the thoughts run them so much. I mean, you've seen people that have the, uh, the obsessive compulsive disorder where they constantly do certain behaviors. That's part of that extension of that need to manage and to control. And it's just, it's a lack of awareness. And I don't know the strategies to bring that back into place, but I do know awareness is a very powerful tool. We are the indwelling being, the consciousness. You and I are it. And we can watch the mind get neurotic and not get involved. We can watch the mind, these thoughts get, go off and off and off, and, but we don't have to get involved with it. We don't have to engage. And over time, all of a sudden, there's no more, we don't connect with it. We don't get attached by it. We don't get driven by it. He says, begin in small ways. Perhaps someone comes along that we know and they don't acknowledge us. They don't say hi. And then we make up a story about it. Maybe they didn't hear us when we said good morning. Or maybe, that, maybe they are ignoring us. I had a neighbor, I've told the story many times, one of the great learning lessons of my life. I had a neighbor that I used to wave at every day. And, and we just moved in and this went on for months and he would just look at me and not do anything. And I thought, well, this guy's really rude. I'm waving. You know, I'm being friendly. I'm extending all of the social norms that are appropriate. Oh, oh, oh that guy, boy, I'm making up a story in my head. And one day his wife brings him over and says, I want you to meet my husband, Jack. And Jack, unfortunately, can no longer see. He's blind. Yeah, that's what I, I didn't say that out loud, but I was like, oh, boy. Had that wrong? All of a sudden, my whole story about Jack but isn't it amazing how our mind has to put it somewhere? And what, and, what, and what if he was ignoring me? Maybe I reminded him of someone he didn't like. This happens all the time in line here. You know what? I think when we all, when, when you go out today, let's ignore, let's ignore one another today. Let's practice that. I won't look at you. You won't look at me. And then we'll make up stories about it. Do you know he didn't look at me at all today? I'm never going back there. And I, and I won't look at you. I'll, I'll, but I'm just saying, you know, that, that's... Taking it out. Watch the mind noise, the melodrama. In, in this Fillmore Church, first uh, ministry I was in, we had a melodrama in Moore Park, which was on the way. I used to drive by it every Sunday. In the melodrama, we would take a group down there. And have you ever been to a melodrama? It's active, you know, it's audience participation. The villain comes on stage and everybody goes, boo. And then the hero shows up and, you know, and there's a moment. They all pause and then there's a cheer. Yay! And so you're, you're actually involved with the whole thing. You're booing and cheering and hissing and yelling. And you're not supposed to throw stuff, but we would throw stuff. And it was just, it, would, it was great fun. Not something that I want to do every week, but once or twice in a lifetime was enough. But that's the melodrama that we can get, we can get captured up in that. As he says, relax and release your shoulders. Relax your heart. Fall behind it and let it go. Have that awareness to practice. He said, practice simple things. When you get into your car, give yourself a moment to just remember. Just remind yourself, I am this individualized spirit, soul, 
on this planet that is spinning in this amazing, vast universe. And he said, just take a moment to do that when you, get, you sit down the first thing in your car. Ground yourself, perhaps. You know, feel the energy in your hands. But it's those simple little practices. We don't have to go to the mountaintop, but to ground ourselves energetically. Let go, go of what is going on right there. Remind yourself you're not going to play the mind games. Give the mind something else to do. Remember, I fired you. I've, I've relieved you of that responsibility. These practices create moments of centered consciousness. Persistently centered consciousness is the seed of the self. Beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. Nothing can hold you down. He says that one of the great things in this chapter is nothing can hold us down. In fact, everything shows up to wake us up once we start to make the agreement. So when we get triggered, it's an opportunity to bring awareness to it and go, wow, look at that, I'm getting triggered again. This is a good thing. This is, I am hardwired to stay awake and to continue to wake up. And as he says, everything will be okay when you're okay with everything. So let's ground this in prayer. And so what I know in this moment on behalf of this beautiful community, as Reverend Tammy Banting said so beautifully, something wonderful is happening here. Let us live from that. And something wonderful is happening within ourselves. And so in great gratitude and appreciation, I just give thanks. In the recognition of spirit, to know that these words and these practices find a way to seat themselves more consistently in my awareness as I move forward, to take moments each day to simply ground myself in the nature of my being. As Paramahansa Yogananda used to say, reveal thyself. God can only do for us what God can do through us. And so it is our opportunity to clear the field of our busyness of our minds, that chatter that goes on, to put down that suffering that is created by giving our minds a responsibility that it is not its to fulfill, nor is it equipped to fulfill it but to stand in the wisdom and the clarity for you and I to make an agreement and to be okay with what is. And then everything is okay. And then our minds are used to move us forward to welcome the next good idea, the greater yet to be. We become a, a, we become a, a container of the law of reciprocity of giving and receiving at every level. And it is powerful and beautiful and life is transformative. And then we become a blessing upon this planet in, in the most amazing and incredible ways because everything we do sits upon that seed of consciousness and love in the most powerful, beautiful way possible. For this I give thanks, and I invite you to say with me, and so it is.